0: What was it like with that rich history in South Africa eventually moving into Bafana Bafana?
1: Yeah, very interesting that uh, one thinks back, and I want you to think about it, 1981, turning professional, 12th of April to be precise, and <laughs> 1992, on the 14th of May, we played that first official international match against Zimbabwe in Zimbabwe.
0: 11 years later.
1: 11 years later. But then you can imagine what was happening in those 11 years. It means, in those 11 years, week in and week out, we're playing against the same opposition. So uh, when I was with Pirates, I mean, when I was with Kaiser Chiefs, when we play against Pirates, then they would say, we must beat these guys. We must. And the results were always, well, topsy-turvy for one reason, because we're not growing because it's the same opposition. The entertainment might have been the same in in the eyes of the fans, but one thing that the fans don't realize, and you realize that when you're a player, you realize you are not growing because you are not matching a different opposition. So 11 years has been, it's like in 11 years you've been in the same class, (laughs) but you are not dull. (laughs)
0: Well, I'll tell about you, it, <laughs> the sad thing you won't want to hear is that in england nobody stays in the same class no matter what level you keep
1: moving <laughs> <laughs> so that that was starting to become the feeling and to be honest that uh, trip out in zimbabwe was like wow but you know the irony about it that this is one thing i will never forget as much as zimbabwe was already involved in international uh, competitions when we got there, we were more famous just from them watching South African football. Even to the opposition. I'll never forget uh, this gentleman who was uh, picking me up, Mercedes Sibanda. May his soul rest in peace. He asked for my jersey as I came on as a sub. <laughs> <laughs> you were going on. As I mean came on. Let's not have a co- problem here. I'll yeah. have your jersey, if you don't mind, Mr. Mapenya. <laughs> with that respect i'll never forget the exact words and it shows you that to be stuck here did not mean the world out there was not aware of what we were capable of and because chiefs was a big team and is obviously and can still be a big team but such was their reputation that even when you play against opposition who have already been in the international arena they would show you that we know you the whole of Zimbabwe we've been seeing you because obviously some of the players from Zimbabwe were playing in South Africa already yes. but it was a change that uh, we also paid school fees for <laughs> you were asking how was it like we paid a lot of school fees I remember that week we lost to Zimbabwe by four goals to one Peter and Love scored uh, the one that is called Pitan and Love in England
0: it was a very hot day I remember when you were playing the first game very. Yeah, and, cool. The way the commentator actually described it, uh, I, I'll never forget the metaphor. He said, "It's forty degrees in the
1: shade." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what. Those are the things that one was missing when he was playing at home. You know, you go out and you realize, wow, it's different out here. You know, yeah. and Peter gave uh, gave us a good club. It's called a hat trick. And then uh, they beat us uh, 4-1. I can't recall who scored, but uh, our only goal was scored by the late Iwi Kambuli. And uh, we lost 4-1. Two weeks later, we were thrown in the Lions then. Now, remember, that was the AFCON qualifier. And then in the World Cup qualifier, two weeks later, we played against uh, Nigeria. In uh, Nigeria. uh, Lagos. In uh, Lagos. Yes. And uh, they beat us 4-0. And we spent the whole of the sort of dignitary introduction, not looking at the dignitaries, but looking at our opposition. How big the guys were, and you know, our eyes were opening all the time. Man, we lost that game from uh, from the from from the hotel, by the way. I, I wonder if uh, anybody has shared this story with you. So, the late Stephen Keshi. Yes. We are sharing the same hotel with them, Bafana Bafana. Yes. So one of the strikers, the late Bennett Masinga, was uh, in, the, in the lift. We were coming from breakfast. So I happened to be walking with Bennett. You know how it is, strikers walk with strikers, whether you like it or not. You <laughs> know, defenders walk with defenders. Yeah. So as much as we work as a team, but you're always closer to the one you work with on the pitch. Yes. So, and that's the secret that most, most people don't realize and don't know, you know, because you are common with something, you yeah. know? So, they think you are enemies, by the way. So, you get to, we, we got to the lift from the breakfast room, uh, Stephen Cash, big as it was, almost touching the roof of the lift. He looks at him, not me, he looks at him, my teammate, who... Is already the starting lineup. Remember the lineup would be announced maybe a day before, a night before, and he says, uh, "Oh, so South Africa." I say, "Yeah, yeah, South Africa." You know, we were in, were in uh, the tracksuits, kappa tracksuits those days. I'll never forget.
0: The best ever. Firstly, in my opinion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so he says, uh, "So, oh, so i answered sad that uh, we are bafana bafana, yeah." Okay, yeah. so. And we played them the same afternoon. So he says, say, so and you are you the ball boy? He <laughs> <too>. <laughs> I thought that was arrogant, but he was asking innocently. <laughs> I say, no, I'm not a ball boy. <laughs> I mean, already we lost that game. Eh? <laughs> Those are the memories, and we learned the hard way, and from then on. We turned the corner, we knew what was expected at that level, and uh, we became the force to be reckoned with and ended up uh, sort of glorifying the national team, 1996, you can recall. Yes. So you start somewhere, but if you want to learn, you're going to pay the school fees, but then you also have to rise. And when you rise, somebody must pay the price. Yeah? And that's what we did. Now, Marx, all this is going on. Huge clubs,
0: national team, but then you almost coming towards the end of your career and then you eventually go into the broadcasting part. Were you preparing for that? How did that happen? Because, and I say this, players really struggle after their careers.
1: Yeah, in fact, uh, interesting enough is thanks to Gary Bailey. Gary Bailey was playing for Manchester United, if you can recall. And then he came to South Africa, joined Kaiser Chiefs, 1988. And uh, when he got to Kaiser Chiefs, he was a motivational speaker, because I think he was also working for Radio Manchester. So he was working as a motivational speaker at various countries. So when he was talking about uh, your Benningham and uh, your Old Trafford and the London Derby as a motivational speaker, at uh, various occasions, the, you tend to lose the other side of the audience. Let me be precise and say the Black audience. Yes. Because it's like, we don't know what you're talking about. You know? Then, because also it was only recent that uh, the country had television, remember? Yes. So then we had to, in fact, it was requested to just balance it get somebody that can be appealing to the other audience and then he approached me but I thought I wouldn't do this because uh, I'm a shy boy you know (laughs) I was very shy to be honest yeah and I always preferred my body and legs to do the talking Mm -hmm. and then you think this guy after scoring he can't even say anything it's just not (laughs) fine you know and then he says no but this has to change and then I had to attend classes together with him him guiding uh, of uh, motivational talks and then I became a motivational speaker in no time it became a full-time job and because I now enjoyed that then during interviews as a captain at the time and it was easy and everybody wants to talk to me (laughs) because they wanna to talk to the captain. And then I thought in two, three years, I must be out of here. Then I got approached by both SABC and the uh, and, uh, Supersport. And little do people realize that 1989, I was working for both. I would do the coverage of the Bundesliga on Friday's afternoons. And then Saturday I would be on air on SABC TV. <laughs> oh, no contracts between the two, you just... Oh. So <laughs> I was doing the run back and the job back, run park and run back uh, together, and then came the real rules that you cannot work for opposition. Now we're talking identity, and that's when I end up uh, or ended up working for SABC because then also I had to make a choice. Those days, not too many people had decoders, yes. So I had to go the route where there is more viewership and where it's a national broadcaster because I thought maybe I played for two teams that have really been symbolic in the nation and also the national team, you know? So why go in a corner where people don't access me? And that's how I got to be there. But also one thing that one is not aware of is not only television, I was also on Radio Metro. I was working on Radio Metro, doing sports updates in the mornings. And then in the, in the evenings I had a show a talk show so just running around and busy all the time but it was always well, taking a lot out of me but people complain about things taking a lot but it was also bringing a lot for me <laughs> you know let's be honest you know you can't just work and not be paid no you know? <laughs> not 600 rent <grand. laughs> no 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 not 600
0: I, I will um, you know now with listening to your experience listen to experiences and um, listening to the motivational side, did you never not think, listen, management may be something I could transition into as well?
1: Yeah, in fact, uh, the transition from football to being an analyst was also something that I liked. And liked for one reason, because you're not coaching 11, 23, or 35 players, (laughs) depending on the number of squad. You are coaching the nation because you are on a national platform. It's things that you have gone through. And this one of being a team manager, as it's called outside South Africa, and uh, commonly known as a team manager in England, Mm -hmm. is that uh, I had a challenge. Remember I spoke about the human element earlier, where I say, when you're a footballer, there's a human being behind this footballer who may Mm -hmm. not be in the best element to become the best that he can be today. But unfortunately, he's got to because the fans are here. And then at the end, I thought, 18 years of being a professional player, if I become a manager, it simply means, and think about it, it means that for the balance of the life that I will live at what, 36, when I stopped, it means if I push now from, let's say, 40 after four, three, four years of getting the badge and having the appetite, It means from 40 to 70, 80, I shall have just been going to the grounds and also going to the hotels and being with the team. You've got to be with the team. And I thought, nah, I think I need to change and uh, see life differently. Still love what I have been doing over the years, but still see life differently. Because one thing that people don't realize, it's not what you do that you are made to be. It's what you aspire to be that you can be, if you know what I mean. Oh, what yeah. you aspire to be that you can be. But if you put yourself in this cocoon, in this cotton hole, you will belong there and grow in that cotton hole, You know, But if you say, let me see what's out there, you'll realize that you are enjoying everything. And the interesting thing is that, uh, you know, Courtney, when I said to you, uh, sorry, sir, can we talk about... Uh, this uh, building that uh, we need to construct that is in construction. And the guy says, Yeah, but uh, Mr. Mapanyane, don't uh, do what you are doing in uh, the game, eh? breaking the r- rules and all that. So, what I'm saying to you is, they will always think of the game, the game. You are not going to be forgotten. That background, I find it so funny that even if you walk in there and say, I'm your dentist. Dr. Max Maponyani, the guy said, uh, Doc, uh, don't go through my teeth like you am kicking the ball. <laughs> because that reputation will never be taken away from you. identity is set. That identity is set. So that is why I say to you, it's not about one chasing the identity by staying in the game. It's just doing something different. But the love is still there and other things can still be done. And that is not the only thing, especially when you can. You know, when you can't, that's when you now get stuck and get frustrated because there's this thing that you keep knocking on the door and it's not opening. And that's when you end up saying to people, Don't you remember me? Can I teach you how to score like I used to score? It shouldn't be like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it should be a demand that you say, Let me meet this demand, you know, but don't force it. It will come, it will happen. And if, it, if I see it coming, if I see it happening, or if I see it on the horizon, I'll think, you know what? If not, why not? <laughs> you know, yeah. Let me just give it a go. And because I'm giving a go something that I'm not for you know, something I'm used to. And fortunately, not only used to, but still doing week in and week out on radio, and still to use. And in fact, you, you come there better packaged in terms of knowledge. Because you've been studying different uh, teams in the same league. So when you walk in there, you walk in there knowing the plan of your, 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 your potential uh, opposition.
0: Now, you spoke about educating the nation in terms of football as an analyst. Yeah. So let's it continue education, uh, educating the nation. Where to next for Bafana, Bafana, Mr. Marx Mopunyan?
1: <laughs> That's a big question you know why why i say it's a big question you can recall that uh, every time when they walk onto the field including 2010 by the way everyone is still talking about the class of 96 mm. but we can't be talking about the class of 96 continuously we need to turn the corner and say can we have a class of 2022 can we have a current class the class of 2021 you know but it goes back to what we were saying When you leave a legacy, whether you still have that that medal for the champions of Africa in 1996, or you lost it, but that legacy remains, you know? So where to for them? It's a question of, it's not about them. It's where they are not getting it right. They're not getting it right out on top. On top is when we see the bigger picture. It's where we see the bigger picture. The real problem is down there. What's happening to the under-17s? What's happening to the under-20s, under-23s? Our Olympic squad, you know, as a collective, Are they growing continuously? You know how it worked with, uh, or how it's still working with, uh, what is it, Uh, Germany, Spain? All those guys, they all come up together. Your Kimmich of this world, your Sane, and all those. They've been together from the junior divisions of the national teams. It shows you that if they grow together, they end up becoming a force to be reckoned with and uh, show the feats that they showed in the World Cup in 2014 out in Brazil. Mm-hmm. So, with us, we had a team of under 23s that went to Australia. Remember the, the Olympics in Australia? The team that beat Brazil. Brazil that had uh, Ronaldo in it and that team in 2010 were only left with one player, Belen you know? And you say, guys, why were you having these guys there? Yes, you had those guys there, but you won't have them now because you had the 23-year-olds, you had the 24-year-olds, you had the 21, 22-year-olds. No, play the, 20, the 17-year-olds in the under-23s. Then they gain experience because you have future for them. You have an objective. You've got a plan. And it hasn't been happening. And why it hasn't been happening, that might be your next question. It's because we want instant results. Lose in the under-23 tournament with your 17-year-olds, but you are building the giants for the national team, the senior national team, and for the under-23s. You could even win in the Olympics. their confidence is high. That's what they've been doing all these other countries that I've mentioned and including in their women's section. They've been doing that. Now our pride is left with Banyana Banyana.
0: Mr. Pomniane, I will say, Marks, you've been very gracious with your time. It's always a pleasure to speak to a legend of yourself who's done so much, not just in the game, but off the field as well. You're an inspiration to us youngsters that listen to you, but also to youngsters coming into the game as well. Not just to think about football, but the next challenge after football. I thank you.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: No, it's my pleasure. And before you go, I've just got three quick questions
1: to ask you. Why do you love football? I love it because uh, it will always give me that element of surprise. And I always liken it to life. Don't take anything for granted. Don't say this is going to happen. The worst can happen and you've got to accept it. And you learn to accept, especially when you have the love for a particular team. You end up saying, but there is a possibility that they can lose. When my expectations are high, they can disappoint. So the lesson that I learned, and that's why I love football, is that in life, don't expect but always open your mind to anything that can happen because there's nothing that is divinely made for you.
0: Number two, the best
1: place you've ever played football. Best place ever played football at? Yes. I, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed uh, Setúbal. Vitoria, Setúbal, that's where I was. And uh, we were just all over Portugal. But just the area, it was more like Devon, your seaside uh, port area. And it's just laid back, but uh, the lot—I mean, the, the, there's a lot of experience that one gained out there. And it was also my first, so the first will always make you open your eyes and say, "Wow, it wasn't the best." I mean, the worst best uh, uh, first, because if it's your worst, you will never want to remember that. But it was the best, you know, the best in the sense that this was setting the platform for Europe. And then, when one went to France, Switzerland, Germany, all those places, then I realized wow, of all these places, this was the best. Germany, yes, but that was the best because you're young and you're appreciated and accepted. You could have been just not accepted and you leave, you go back to your country.
0: My last question for you, uh, Marx, is which manager got the best out of Marx?
1: i will always say eddie lewis eddie lewis is the manager that got the best out of me because when he came to casa chiefs remember i touched on facing relegation yes so he was invited to be a sort of an interim coach or manager because the team is struggling Mm -hmm. and he says i know what the problem is here it's because you guys are tired you've been winning trophies And a lot is still expected, and you are also getting frustrated because you are trying to do what you used to do. From now on, you are playing midfield. Imagine when he says that to someone who's been a striker for so long and not getting goals. So he says, From now on, I don't want goals from you. Which coach will say, I don't want goals from you? (laughs) (laughs) I don't expect goals from you, my son. Do you understand? I want you to be in the midfield, give me the same energy, but don't score. And guess what? I started scoring. <laughs> because they were not expected of me. And then two months later, he said, you can go forward and do what you've been doing now. And that's how we survived relegation.
0: I'm going to tell you a story, Marcos. Uh, you mentioned somebody that played an instrumental role in your life. And that same person played an instrumental role in my life. Um, oh, yeah. as, you know, as you know, my family, you know them very well. You know Howard, you know Trevor, you know Alan. These are all my father's brothers.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I decided that yes, I want to pursue a career in football. So I jumped in a in a minibus, as you know, in South Africa. This yeah. is how you travel between places. And without my family knowing, I went to Johannesburg to Mark, Mark's Park Stadium. And Wits were holding trials there. And um I pitched up. Um, just said my name is Courtney. Didn't give any surnames because I didn't want any preferential. Yeah. yeah. And there was this huge uh, Englishman with his bow uh, voice, <laughs> deep voice, yeah. and oh, go on and play. And I, I actually did quite well. Uh, and he called me after the game, called me aside, and he said. Um, we, we we would like to see you again at Mo, uh, Mill Park on Wednesday. And I said, Mr. Lewis, I'm very sorry. I've got to go back to university. He said, uh, okay. Um, but, so give me your name. So he wrote my name down and obviously I had to give my name. He said, oh, do you know these family members? I said, yes, yes, I do. And he organized it for me to go to Rangers. Oh, yeah. Yes, I remember he had ties with Rangers. He had ties with Rangers. Now, I couldn't transfer from university in Durban to Johannesburg because my parents Mm -hmm. wouldn't accept anything else except studying and playing. And he was so instrumental. He said, no, I will send you to Rangers. You go there and play. I never ended up playing. (laughs)
1: I was a squad person. One thing that you and I agree on is that man was a
0: manager. I I mean, the reason I touch on the story was the humanity of
1: him. That's why I say he was a manager. He would manage players. You know, Courtney, as we're closing, I want to close by saying, you know, when you talk about touching, in 18 years of professional football, only him, the late Eddie Lewis, came to me. Which coach goes to a player? Maybe others are doing that, or perhaps of this world and others. He He substituted me in a game against Cape Town Spurs in Cape Town. I'll never forget that night. That is why I say over the years, you gain experience, you know, of how to manage players. So one of those are one of the many lessons one has gone through. He substituted me and we were one-on against Cape Town Spurs. But I had two or three defenders next to me. And every time I get the ball, those guys will be at me and then had, I always would nip in first touch. And obviously you realize that my teammates, one or two will always be available. And he substituted me. The opponents clapped. And they said, guys, we can now start attacking. They released the midfielders. <laughs> Guess what happened? You he lost 3-1. He got to the change room. And he says, firstly, my son, I need to apologize to you. I messed up. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. <laughs> firstly, my son, I need to apologize to you. I messed up. The game changed when I substituted you. Forget about that, maybe I was a better player. No, I wasn't. But just the coach to apologize to you that his substitution never worked. A lot knows that the substitution never worked, but will not say that to a player because they think that's not leadership. But to me, that's real leadership because I started respecting him more for a man who can take the blame. Because it was all for even opposition to see that. This was the worst move he made.
0: The true legend of the game. A gentleman, the man that has played, as I said, on both sides of the fence for both giants. Thank you very much for this evening, sir.
1: Thank you, Courtney. Once again, thanks for inviting me.